You're listening to a presentation of The Rising. We're a real church for real people where you can belong before you believe. We're always honored to hear how God is working in your life through this ministry. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, hit us up at wearetherising.com or on Facebook or Instagram. Finally, if you'd like to invest in what God's doing through this church, you can always give online through our site. Thanks again for tuning in and get ready. Lean forward with an expectant attitude to hear a message from God's Word. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Got it. Good job. <laughs> uh, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, my wife and kids they were digging in this raised garden, and uh, when we first moved in, man, it was a mess. Like uh, there was there was weeds, there was grass overgrown in here. I think there was even a bush in here, and, and and there was like tree branches. It was just a mess here. But when we first moved in, we didn't have enough time to dedicate to to this area, so we just let it go. And then about a year later, right now, right, just a few weeks ago, they were digging in here. We cleared out the weeds, we cleared out the grass, we cleared out the bush. And, and as they were digging, I think it used to be a sandbox, but they found all kinds of stuff in here. Like they were digging and they found rocks and bricks. Uh, they found like a, a dog rope, like a chew toy that was in there. Um, there was a, a small micro machine car with no wheels, a toy tugboat, and then there was this toy garden snake, like <laughs> underneath the surface of this, this raised garden. We've since made it into a raised garden. We've planted some, some stuff in here, but, but, but it's amazing to me uh, what you find just under the surface when you start to dig. So ever since our world has been interrupted by this pandemic, we've been in this series called Life Interrupted. And I don't know about you, but I hate interruptions. Like I see interruptions as a bad thing. Like when my kids interrupt me and I'm trying to get some work done because my kids are at home and they're always at home and they always need something and school is out. Come on, thank God for some teachers, right? But I'm doing work and they interrupt me. Or uh, this past Monday, we had this really bad storm and like 40,000 people in Virginia Beach had no power. We were one of those people. Our power went out for hours and hours. Life interrupted. I hate it when somebody interrupts me when I'm talking. I hate it when I'm watching Survivor and the news interrupts to tell me about some storm in Hertford County. Like, I don't even know where Hertford County is. I don't even care about that. I just want to watch Survivor, right? Life interrupted. I see interruptions as bad things and um, as we're in this time right now our life is being interrupted by COVID-19 I think we see this as a bad thing because we, we like to be in control right I, I mean everything you're feeling everything you're experiencing right now what it is is grief it, it's grief that's what it is because here's what we like we don't like being interrupted because we like control. We like to be in the know. We like to have a plan. We like our own comfort and convenience. And when things get interrupted, like we lose all the things that we love. 
And so then we have to figure out a whole new normal. And everything you're feeling, everything I'm feeling, it's grief because there's a loss that's taken place. We've lost what we were used to. And with loss, with th that's change. And with change, there's loss and there's grief from that. And so what do we do now? We hate interruptions or bad things, but they can also be freeing things. They can be really great things. And, and here's why interruptions can be good. Because this past Monday when our power went out, it actually helped me focus more on work and instead of getting distracted on looking at stuff on the internet, right? Uh, when my kids come and they interrupt me and I'm doing work, uh, now, now there's a balance to this. I mean, they can't interrupt me all the time because work's also get done. But when they interrupt me, it reminds me, oh wait, they're not gonna be this way forever. They're, they're not gonna be this young. So just take a break and, and see them and be with them and notice them. So it helps me get closer to my kids. When somebody interrupts me in a conversation, it's actually a good thing because it makes me pause and think, wait, 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 like, am I okay with that? Am I secure enough in who I am? Or am I gonna get insecure because, well, they don't respect me or why would they do that? And so it forces me to relook at my security. When I'm watching Survivor and the news breaks in to tell me about a storm in Hertford County, actually, there, there is no good thing about that. Like, don't interrupt me while I'm watching Survivor. So there's that, right? But interruptions can be a good thing because one of the things interruptions do is they cause us to dig just below the surface. See, the truth is, you are who you are because of things that you have just underneath the surface, right? There's, there's all sorts of mindsets and beliefs and perspectives and attitudes that you and I have that shape us, that mold us into being the people that we are. And what interruptions do is they often cause us to pause, take inventory, dig below the surface and see what's really going on here. That's what this whole time is about right now. It's giving us time to dig below the surface and try and figure out why do I feel the way I feel? Why do I do the things I do? Why do I operate the way I operate? The reason is because there's some things just below the surface. And this is actually what happened with this guy named Saul 2,000 years ago. See, he was living his life in such a way um, where uh, it was destructive, right? And the reason is because he had some things just under the surface and maybe, maybe he didn't know at the time what was driving him. But here's the story that he told himself before he got interrupted. It's found in Philippians 3.5. This is how he saw himself. This was his mindset and his attitude. As he looked at himself, he said, I was, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church, and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. And so Saul is this guy who he operates from this mindset where, where when he looks at his life and who he is, the story he's telling him, what he has just beneath the surface is all this. Hey, I was circumcised on the eighth day, right? I'm, I, I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew if there ever was a Hebrew. I'm awesome, I'm great. And when it comes to obeying the law of God, I'm a Pharisee. Pharisees were like these strict adherents to the law of God. And so for, for Saul, this thing that was underneath the surface, the way he was operating, the things that were driving him was, was perfection. It was, it was religion, it was legalism, it was 
it was arrogance, it was pride, it was cockiness, right? And so all these things are underneath the surface and they lead him to do the things that he was doing. See, Saul had this, this mindset that he was telling himself, these things that were just underneath the surface, and, it, and you do too, right? I mean, you and I, we have these things just under the surface that cause us to operate the way that we do. I mean, the, the, the negativity. You know where that comes from, right? It comes, it comes from uh, these string of events that you had when you were younger, right? It just seemed like everything was going wrong. And so because of that, it started to shape this mindset of negativity in you. And you were just like, well, okay, well, what's, what's the next thing that's going to go wrong? And now you just look for things that are going to go wrong. Or, or it comes from uh, this, this sense of, of pride and, and you think you're smarter than everybody else and because of that everyone else is an idiot and they always get it wrong. And so of course it's gonna be bad. And so there's this negative outlook or it's this insecurity, this victim mindset, this victim mentality that you have things always go wrong with me. So of course, and then that's where it all stems from. That, that's where the roots are, right? And those stems come up from the ground the indecision. You know where that comes from, right? It comes from this fear of failure. What if I make a decision and it fails? What if I make a decision and it doesn't go right? What if it doesn't work out? Well, then that must mean I'm a failure. And so I, I don't know because I want to make the right decision. I don't want to disappoint anybody. So you know what? I'll choose not to decide instead of deciding. I mean, all of it, all of it, the anger, the, the rage, the self-doubt, the, the, the pride, the arrogance, um, like everything that you experience and feel in your life, these are simply stems from roots that are just beneath the surface. And nothing in our life will change unless we dig beneath the surface and replace what's there with something else. And an interruption helps us do that. I mean, this, this is what happens with Paul. 2,000 years ago, Paul is operating from this mindset, this mentality of legal, legalism and, and, and religiosity and, and, and living a certain way where he's, he's like killing people because of their beliefs. Look, Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Here's what Saul was doing. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on his mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, and the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now, get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself off, off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. See, what happens with Saul is his life gets interrupted. While he's on this previously planned pilgrimage of persecution to arrest and kill these Christians. I mean, because the, the, the NIV says that he was, he was breathing out murderous threats. And so he's, he's on this mission to, to arrest these Christians ultimately so that they can die. Because for them, they're blasphemous. They're saying that someone else is God and, and according 
to Paul's viewpoint in the Jewish tradition, that's blasphemy and blasphemy deserves death. And so he's on his way on this scheduled trip to arrest these Christians, but then Jesus interrupts his regularly scheduled program and a light shines down. It blinds Saul, ultimately, so that Saul can see what's beneath the surface. Saul's blind for three days, and for three days he's, he's quarantined, he's isolated, he's figuring his life out, he's digging beneath the surface. And then this guy named Ananias, this, this prophet that God sends to Saul, shows up. And here's what Ananias said. He said, so Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not only was Saul going to regain his sight, physical sight, but he was regaining a sight of his soul. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. It says, immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked? And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. After a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. Isn't that amazing? Like Saul gave his life to this mission of arresting and killing Christians and then his life is interrupted. He meets the resurrected Jesus and he becomes a Christian himself. Like Saul devotes his life to persecuting the church and what we find out later from Saul's life is that he, he starts churches all over the Roman world. I mean, what's amazing is that Saul set out to kill Christians. He becomes a Christian and now people want to kill him all because his life was interrupted because he met Jesus. And when the light shone, it shone some light in the darkness of his soul so he could see what was really buried beneath. And what he saw buried beneath was legalism. See, Saul was operating from the engine that drove Saul, just underneath the surface was legalism. Legalism says you have to get it right, it's perfection or nothing, right? But then Jesus interrupts his life and the engine is swapped out with an engine of grace. Saul's life is graced with grace. And grace says you get the opposite of what you deserve. See what Saul deserved was to stay blind. What Saul deserved was for Jesus to strike him dead because he was killing Christians. But what Jesus gave him was forgiveness. What Jesus gave him was life. What Jesus gave him was a second chance. And, and because in those three days and that interruption that took place in Saul's life, because he dug just beneath the surface and he replaced the roots of legalism with grace, it changed everything for him. Like grace became his mantra, it became how he lived. And as a result of that, what people saw from him was nothing but grace. I mean, if you read in Saul's letter, and, and by the way, Saul, after he meets Jesus, his name gets changed to Paul. And so Paul, when you read his letters, he wrote half of the New Testament. He started churches all over the Roman world. When you read Paul's letters, you'll find that he starts off every letter with this grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to you. Like grace just becomes Paul's mantra. It's like he's saying, what do I want to extend to you? Grace. It's this thing that I was given. Grace. See, I, I didn't deserve it, but I was given it. And peace. 
It's what I didn't have until I met Jesus. So Paul, his life is just filled with grace. He's graced with grace. And you can see his, his theme verse for his life, and it's his theme verse. He actually writes it, 1 Timothy 1.15. There's a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. Paul knows who he is. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Essentially saying, if God can save me, he can save you too. If God can turn me around, he can turn you around too. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. And see, this understanding that Paul had, this mindset, shaped how he lived. It shaped everything about him because he, he dug just below the surface and got rid of what shouldn't have been there. He replaced it with grace. But here's the deal. You don't care about Paul, right? I mean, you don't know him. <laughs> Knowing about Paul isn't going to change anything about you. I mean, you, you can read his writings and you can learn from that. Stuff, but, but you and I, we don't care about Paul. And I'm, I'm not telling you about Paul because it's Paul. I'm telling you about Paul because we are Paul. Like this is us. Each and every one of us have some things just below the surface that I believe God is trying to interrupt our lives and say it's time to dig down. You know, people ask me how I'm doing right now during this whole time. I mean, as a, as a pastor of a church and, um, you know, the, the church's model is built around gathering together. and We can't meet together publicly. So people have asked me, hey, how are you doing during this time? And, um, and I'll just be open with you. Um, I tell them I'm doing great. <laughs> like, I think <laughs> this is a great time. I mean, this interruption sucks, right? But it's also a great time. Now, here's what I miss. What I don't like is that I don't get to see you every single week. I love seeing you. I love connecting with you. And I love for us to be together, right, on Sundays. But uh, so, so that's the thing I really miss. But Here's what I love about this time. This interruption is, is causing um, us to look at and say like, what do we need to do differently, right? This interruption is actually a great time for our church. It's a great time for our staff. We're actually re-examining what we're doing and say, how, how do we get better? And what needs to change so that when we are able to start meeting again, it's not like back to normal, but it's like a whole new normal that's way better. So this time, this interruption is actually causing us to, to figure out how do we grow and change. This challenge is helping us, right? Oh, and a, another thing about this time and why it's so great is we're actually reaching more people online than ever before. Yeah, people are tuning in online from their couch who would never come on a Sunday. Like there are people right now who are checking this out online who wouldn't come on a Sunday. So what that means is the gospel is getting out to more people. I know this one guy, he's tuned in like three or four weeks in a row religiously. He's never come to our church, but he's come to our church. You know what I mean? So the gospel is getting out like never before. And so, yeah, this time is bad, but it's also bad. And not bad meaning bad, but bad meaning good. <laughs> and so, so this is a great time. Uh, for me, and this is a great time for our organization, for our church, but, but for me, um, 
I just see it as a great time because uh, this interruption is, is revealing some, some stems from the surface where I'm digging down and saying, why, why is that? What are the roots that are causing that? And so what I'm discovering about me is I'm not as patient as I thought I was, right? I used to pride myself in my patience, but uh, yeah, having my kids home all the time and always needing something and uh, having to wait in line to go into a store and uh, just all the different things. I've discovered I'm not as patient as I thought I was. Uh, I'm also discovering that um, I'm not as disciplined as I thought I was, right? I mean, there's no gym now, and so like I'm not even working out. Hopefully you can't tell, uh, but I'm not even working out. Like my diet has gone to crap. Uh, my schedule is more lax than it used to be. And so these are things that I'm seeing just underneath the surface. I'm saying, I don't want to be that way. And uh, I need to change some stuff. And because of that, this interruption is helping me see that. And ultimately, as I see that and I dig that out and replace it with discipline, um, with greater patience, it's going to help me become a greater man. So this interruption is helping me dig beneath the surface and see what's really there. And I believe that, that God is, is, is seeking to use this interruption. Not, not that He caused this interruption, but I believe God is seeking to use this interruption uh, to help you dig beneath the surface. What if, what if this interruption is God's shovel to you? Saying it's time to start digging. It's time to uh, go just below the surface because you've been humming along. You've been operating in a certain way. And it's time to go to the next level. It's time to change. It's time to become the person I've called you to be. So use this interruption to become that. And so what if now is the time that God wants to dig out the negativity in your life and replace it with the understanding that the best is yet to come? What if this is the time, this interruption is the moment where God wants to remove assuming the worst like you've been doing and replace it with believing the best? Maybe this is the time that God wants to use the shovel of this interruption to dig down into your life and remove the convenience and the comfort and the living for self and replace it with sacrificial living and serving others. Perhaps this is the time, not perhaps, but I know this is the time that God wants to remove the things that have been just beneath the surface that have been killing you that have been causing you to live stagnant and complacent and he wants to replace it with freedom with hope with joy with peace with an understanding that you can live the life he's called you to live you just got to dig below the surface see Saul's life was interrupted he was blinded by the light so that he could see the darkness of his soul and he did some digging and replaced his legalism with grace. That's what Saul did. But now it's your time in this interruption. It's your time to do some digging. Thanks so much for listening. We pray God inspires, challenges and motivates you to become greater through what you've just heard. Again, be sure to check us out at wearetherising.com. Remember, your best days are still ahead.